Hello and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, February 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter, welcoming you back in for another episode. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in today. If you're a returning listener, new listener, uh, whatever, listen every other day, doesn't matter. I appreciate you guys stopping in to uh, join the show for a little bit here. So uh, today and tomorrow we got a, a special sort of preview, uh, doing it a little bit differently than normal. Uh, it's a bigger game than normal, Michigan State's biggest game of the season. Uh, I would say so far, pretty fair to say that. Uh, they're traveling to Ann Arbor this Sunday to take on Michigan uh, in a game that is going to go a long way towards determining what happens in the Big Ten regular season. So what... The plan is today is a two-part, two-segment episode uh, with Joe Cook Sugar of 131 Sports and uh, Busting Brackets over at Fansided. He's a contributor there, too. Uh, he's going to join us today for a two-segment preview, and it's basically just going to be me interviewing Joe about this Michigan team, some strengths, some weaknesses, uh, things we need to know about U of M from the perspective of a U of M fan and a guy who knows basketball. So... That'll be today's show, and then tomorrow, Saturday, will be um, kind of the a look at the game from my perspective, from an MSU alum, what I'm looking for, what I'm thinking is, is the key to the game, uh, some strengths for Michigan State in this matchup, some places Michigan might be able to exploit Michigan State, stuff like that. So just kind of uh, the antithesis, or the, the opposite of what Joe's episode today is, so uh, a little bit more content for you guys for this game, spread out over two days, um, you know, and, and I know podcasts kind of dry up over the weekend, right? Everyone does their shows during the week, and sports radio is going on during the week, and on the weekend, podcasts kind of dry up. So, got a Friday-Saturday preview for you guys, and we will jump into that first part in just a little bit. Real quick, follow the uh, show on Twitter, at OnSpartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, one out two underscores. Uh, like the Facebook page, just search Locked on Spartans. Uh, those are three ways to find the podcast every single day. The easiest way, though, is just to subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever service you use, just search Locked on Spartans. Hit that subscribe button, and new episodes will show up to your inbox every single morning for you when you get up to uh, go out and start your day. So those are the ways to listen to it. Subscribe to the podcast is the best way to do it. Uh, and if you want to head over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. I, like I say every day, uh, genuinely appreciate people who take time uh, to do that. It really helps out uh, and it helps the show and it's cool to see uh, a positive reaction to the show. All right, let's uh, get it started with part one of the interview with Joe. We are joined now by Joe Cook Sugar. You guys have heard Joe on here. He's our resident bracketologist over at 131sports.com. Uh, also contributes to busting brackets over at Fansided. But Joe, you're not here to talk about brackets today, are you? I'm free from bracket talk for once. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so Joe, unfortunately for him, is an alum of the University of Michigan. Uh, he's also a very smart person who knows basketball really well and knows this team uh, better than most people out there. So Joe is going to come on. Joe has been nice enough to join us. Uh, to talk about Michigan and Michigan State taking on, uh, taking, geez, what am I trying to say? Michigan taking on Michigan State this weekend, the first time these two teams have matched up. Uh, Joe, how are you feeling going into this top 10 matchup? It's only the third time ever 
these two teams have both been top 10 playing each other. Uh, uh, <laughs> cautiously optimistic because the first game's at Chrysler. Um, I, you know, like if this, if, if it was at the Brez, I'd feel a little different, but, um, you know, I, yeah, I think when the Vegas line comes out, uh, uh, usually they don't do the lines to the day before they might have some future mm-hmm. or something like that. I got to imagine that Michigan's going to be, uh, you know, a couple point favorite. So that, that, I'd say like four and a half. Yeah. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll take the under on that. I, I say, I, I'll say we're, we're favored by three. That's that's okay. my guess. So we'll see yeah, what we'll, happens on Sunday. We'll see. Yeah, we'll. And it depends. We're recording this uh, Thursday at six o'clock. Depends what Michigan looks like against Minnesota as well on the road. Yep. Um, that could have a half point or so say into how that line shakes out. All right, let's get right into this. Um, so this is a Michigan State podcast. Uh, listened to, I would assume, primarily by Michigan State fans. I'm sure some of them have seen some Michigan basketball this year, know they're good. Uh, you know, saw them beat North Carolina by a ton, saw them beat Villanova by a ton, have seen them play some big conference games. Uh, but what does the person who's maybe not so familiar with this team need to know about this Michigan basketball team? Um, so I, I <laughs> this is weird coming from from a, a Michigan fan, but I, I uh, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, I, I do feel this team has overachieved a little bit. Not too much, but definitely a little bit, um, and and part of that is probably skewed a bit uh, because the team wins with defense first. Which mm-hmm. uh, I mean, who'd have thought that after Beeline's first forty years of coaching and what his <laughs> mantra has been about having you know like a passable defense and then just a top of the line offense. Um, so uh, you know, like having after they brought in. Um, Beeline kind of realized his weakness, something that our football coach has yet to do, um, and uh, and understood that he wasn't the best defensive coach. So he brought in uh, Luke Yaklich, and and since he brought him in, um, you know Michigan's offense or defensive efficiency, excuse me, um, has been you know top top ten in Ken Palm, I think back to back years. Yeah, um, third last year, second right now. Yeah, so um, the 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 feeling of uh, them having overachieved. Um, I think it's part part of the reason is because they win so ugly. So a lot of times these wins feel kind of gross, um, but at the end of the day, they're still wins. So um, uh, you know, like the, the the Michigan team, how they won last year is the it's the same thing. They they actually win more with defense than offense. Uh, in terms of personnel, uh, Ignis Brazdakis or Iggy uh, Brazdakis uh, is the new face that Spartan fans are. Uh, are gonna hate. <laughs> oh, we're um, getting ready to yeah, hate. Yeah, he he is very hateable. Um, you know, like if I'm if I'm able to remove myself from Michigan fandom for a second, I know that if I was a fan of another team, I'd hate him. Um, you know, he's he's got the 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 I don't know the haircut. He's got the persona. He he does the. Um, I, I don't know if if, if uh, you've seen enough games, but he's got the like the money gesture that he does after his made shots. I'm sure if you mm-hmm. Google a picture of of Iggy Brasdakis, that's going to be the one of the ones that you see. Um, and it's things like that that are going to uh, annoy the, the hell out of you um, as, an, uh, as a rival fan. Um, and he's a pretty good player to boot. So, uh, um, you know, like it's, it's, I mean, to the point where I've actually seen him show up. I don't think that he'll go, but I've seen him show up in a handful of uh, NBA mock drafts, you know, going in. People project him in the early to mid second rounds to the point where because he's a freshman, I think that he would stay and, and try to get into the first round. Um, 
up front, uh, John Teske has, has gotten a heck of a lot better from last year to this year. Um, you saw a little bit of him behind uh, Mo Wagner last year, um, and, and and that was the biggest question mark with uh, uh, with Wagner going pro. Um, and and Teske has really stepped up and, and made a jump to fill in that five five spot uh, role quite nicely. And, um, at the end of the day, though, in terms of uh, personnel, Xavier Simpson, in my opinion, is still the most important player to this team. Um, the offense the offense runs a lot smoother when he's on the floor, and he's, in my opinion, probably the uh, the best on ball defender in the Big Ten. So um, that that's that's what I think Spartan fans need to know about this Michigan team this year. Um, I want to talk about uh, Teske a little bit more. So I've got Michigan's uh, profile page up on Ken Palm. So they got their starting five and then two other guys on their team, Isaiah Livers um, and Eli Brooks, play any sort of minutes that can be counted on. So it's a short rotation, seven guys uh, with you know three players playing over 80% of the minutes. How important... And I've seen Michigan has struggled this year when Teske gets out a little bit because there's just like six seven is as tall as Michigan gets outside of Teske mm-hmm. in terms of guys that play. Uh, how important is what he does to to Michigan on defense, especially? And then uh, you know how much trouble is Michigan in if he ends up getting into some sort of foul trouble? So uh, I mean Teske, I, I'm I don't know if he still does. I gotta assume that he still does. He was. I believe he was um, leading the Big Ten in blocks. Um, so he's 60th in the country in okay. block percentage. I will say that. Okay. Um, so he's at least towards the very top of the Big Ten in blocks. So he is Michigan's uh, rim protector and um, and really their only rim protector. Like you said, the, the height the height drop because the guys behind the, the, the taller guys behind Teske just aren't ready to be a part of the mm-hmm. rotation. Um Teske is monumental uh, down low because he can, um, you know, he, he can alter shots when when uh, someone like uh, like Cassius Winston gets into the lane or, or, or um, some other another slasher um, of that uh, nature gets in the lane. He can really alter their shot and make them uh, second guess their shot. But he's even better at because of the way that Michigan doesn't um, under since Yaklich has come in, since they don't um, they don't help off the ball as much, Teske's defense more so has been um, isolated with uh, on the on the big man and mm-hmm. um, with Ward's uh, in injury and him being out, um, I think that that is going to be um, even even more of an impact in in terms of uh, because you know he he'll he'll match up. Um, he, he won't match up with uh, Goins. He'll match up with Tillman, so I, I would assume. So yeah. um, I, I do think that that will limit um, any any sort of uh, interior presence if he's able to stay out of foul trouble. Um, if he gets into early foul trouble, uh, Brandon Johns is a, is the the guy um, that could potentially be a little bit t- give us a little bit more height. Um, but he's coming along a little slower than anticipated, so I think that if Teske gets in early foul trouble, that Michigan's going to have to play Livers some at the five. And if that happens, I think Goins and Tillman are going to uh, feast on the glass, which is one of the things that I'd say I'm worried about. Yeah. Um, 
So Michigan has, uh, I'm just going to go over, they're no, number seven overall in Ken Palm, but the number two overall defense, which we know is elite uh, and has been for the majority of the season. Uh, but they're sitting right around 33 uh, in adjusted efficiency on offense. And uh, really in their losses this year, like uh, against Iowa, 59 points in 72 possessions, Wisconsin, 54 and 66, and then just over one point per possession against Penn State. Uh, it seems like, you know, not that it's a bad offense, but it seems like it, it's kind of failed them at times. W- what do they do well on that side of the ball? And what's, you know, what's the difference in, in a game where Michigan's playing really well on that side of the ball or a game like Iowa where you're scoring only 59 points on 72 possessions? Um, so I think uh, when things are going well, um, t- things are typically going well when Xavier Simpson's orchestrating the offense. Um, they they have a habit, depending on uh, the type of uh, – they face, obviously, mostly man-to-man defense. Depending on the type of man-to-man defense that the opponent is playing, they have um, – some trouble rotating the ball from one side of the court to the other. So they'll get the ball and it'll stick on one side and it'll allow the defense to sag over and help. Um, sometimes the, the it, uh, uh, that is uh, orchestrated by Jordan Poole. He'll, he'll get the ball and try to do too much with it, um, do a lot, of, uh, a lot of dribbling and not go anywhere or, or take like a step back three, which he can hit, but he's a really streaky player. And in those games – where uh, the Michigan offense is struggling, you see the ball stick to one side of the court and you see a lot of guys do a lot of dribbling instead of cutting and moving away from the ball and getting the ball, uh, making the forcing the defense to work and move. Um, so I, I think that um, the, the, one of the keys to success is uh, keeping even Xavier Simpson out of foul trouble so that he can lead the offense. Um, and... Uh, getting some dribble drive penetration to the point where the defense collapses and then, um, you know, moving the ball quickly after the defense collapses to get open looks um, so that the, uh, you know, like the, you're going to shoot a higher percentage the more open looks you get, obviously. So, okay, we are going to pause right there for a quick break uh, when we get back. Part two of our interview with Joe, finishing up uh, his version of a preview, a get to know the opponent type thing. Real quick, got an important favor to ask. I've been asking you all week. We got this survey going on right now uh, to help us learn more about you, uh, figure out what you guys like about the show, what you don't like, things like that. Uh, it's your opportunity to tell all this, tell us all this stuff. If you uh, want to do it, shouldn't take too long, about 10, 15 minutes to complete. And by participating, you enter for a chance to win a $250 Vivid Seats gift card. Visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey to participate. That's LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome back to... Segment two of today's Locked on Spartans as I fiddle around with my tabs 
and try to procrastinate, and I'm ready to go. Okay, uh, segment two of today's Lockdown Spartans, part two of the interview with Joe Cook Sugar, previewing Michigan taking on Michigan State. Michigan State taking on Michigan is how I should say that on a Michigan State podcast. Anyway, here's part two of that interview. Uh, I want to stick on the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, Brasdikis, uh, Poole, and uh, Livers can all shoot it pretty well from deep. Uh, Matthews is, uh, you know, so-so. Uh, but this team, since January 1st, I saw this stat right before we got on here. Uh, Michigan is shooting 30% from three since January 1st. Uh, uh, overall in the season, they're a 34% shooting team, which is 171st in the country. So middle of the pack three-point shooting team. They've been shooting 30% as a team, uh, you know, since the new year. What's, you know, is there anything going on there? They're just missing shots, not getting open looks. What's What's been going on with their three-point shooting? We know, you know, that is an important part of what Michigan has done uh, on the offensive side of the ball since Beeline has got there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a conundrum that I wish I knew the answer to, in all honesty. But I, I bet Beeline does, too. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if it's just that the fact that – so I think having watched their game, Braz Dacus is a natural slasher. So the three-point – while the three-point shot – he's coming along with his three-point shot, but it's just not to the level that past Beeline players have had. Yeah, um, Stauskas. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's far from that, um, and um, so I think I, and, and and Livers, um, he's he's in my opinion because he he's more of a glue guy. That, I mean, he he can knock down threes, but he that's still not necessarily his his greatest strength. I think his greatest strength lies in a lot of the stuff that doesn't that you don't. Uh, let's see the cliche that doesn't show up in the box score. Mm-hmm. Um, He's Kenny Goins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, except for Goins gets like you know I, I'm I, throwing this number out here. He's like four points and fourteen boards in a game or something like that. <laughs> it's I, oh, it's he had zero field goal attempts and like fourteen rebounds earlier this season. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah, that's that's the kind of player Goins is. Yeah. But, so I honestly think that the only true sniper that we have on our team is Poole. And I think because we only have one, it's allowed defenses to focus on that one and mm-hmm. and run him off the line to the point where he has to pump fake or get out of rhythm or take you know like shoot it off the dribble. And he's a better catch and shoot three point shooter than he's off the dribble. But because he so desperately wants to shoot threes, he will take them off the dribble even though they're lower percentage when he does it. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that's part of it. I think another part, part of my hypothesis is that because of their change in defensive philosophy, they're a little bit more tired during games. Um, and that, that combined with the short rotation and you're going to get, you're going to get guys not having legs. So when they have three point shots, they're going to shoot them at a lower percentage. So. One of the, you know, now that Ward is out, I think they're coming to this game. It was two major things. Ward versus Teske, how's that going to shake out, would dictate the game. And the other one, kind of the primetime matchup that uh, I think should garner the most attention is Cassius Winston on offense against Xavier Simpson. I mean, it it matters the other way too, but Cassius is uh, the best offensive point guard in the country, or in the conference, one of the best offensive point guards in the country. And Xavier Simpson, like you said, uh, is either the best or, you know, a top two or three on ball defensive guard in the conference. Uh, that's that's the primetime matchup. Uh, and really, 
Cassius hasn't had great outings against Minnesota or Michigan over his career. Um, I think one game as a freshman, he was solid, but other than that, he's had some struggles against Michigan. You know, how do you see that matchup shaking out? What's going to be uh, a key factor there, and how much of a role does it play, and who wins this game? Um, well, so I think uh, I think Cassius is uh, uh, is obviously a first team All Big Ten player, and he's he's going to compete with. Uh, Carson Edwards and Ethan Happ for Big Ten Player of the Year when they when they give the awards um, this year. But having said that, like you said, um, Simpson has been a, a, a nightmare for him in their head-to-head matchups. Um, I think, and you really hyped it up perfectly because this this matchup is 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 interesting in that it is uh, strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness. So. Uh, <laughs> Like I said, and like you mentioned in the recap, uh, uh, Xavier Simpson is, in my opinion, the best on-ball defender in the Big Ten, and and Cassius is probably the best scorer-passer combo. I'm going to put combo because I think the best pure scorer is Carson Edwards, but I think scorer-passer combo, you're not going to beat Cassius Winston in the Big Ten. Um, so when you have the best or one of the best on-ball defenders and one of the best passer scores, you have a strength meeting a strength. Similarly, while Simpson's uh, on the offensive end, uh, he he makes Michigan's offense run smoothly. He's not anywhere close to a pure scorer by any stretch of mm-hmm. the imagination. And um, and I think Cassius's defense would make James Harden look like an all-world defender. Um, he's gotten better. He's gotten better. Okay, fine. <laughs> if it's if we're if we're basing it on trend, then sure. He's yeah. No, better. it's it's. I mean, I would say it's probably on par to how much you fear. Uh, Simpson offensively, yes. like breaking you down and beating your team. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, can't slander my guy here, Joe. <laughs> well, I got, I got, I got to be honest with you, and I ha- and I thought that that would be an apt analogy. What, what can I yeah, say? It is. Um, so, but and, and um, thank, thankfully for 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 Spartan fans everywhere, I'm not Tom Izzo. But if I was, um, I'd. I'd personally, in this matchup, I'd implore Winston to not force the issue and try to do too much because I'd be worried that he might have that mentality after the after Ward's injury because Ward went down. And I think you saw it a little bit. I watched uh, the entire uh, Michigan State-Ohio State game. And I, if, I, I, don't, I didn't look up the stat line in the second half, but just this is just a, a gut feeling, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like... He pressed quite a bit when Ward went down in the second half, and um, and if he does that, then he's going to force some shots that he doesn't need to force um, when there are other capable offensive players on Michigan State's roster. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was honestly if you would have watched the Rutgers game, which I don't blame you for not. Um, the first half was uh, some of that, and it wasn't just Cassius; it was kind of the whole team. Um, some was just a little bit off because you're filling in for a guy like Ward, but they really settled into themselves in the second half. Yeah, he uh, it, it, the Illinois is probably the prime example for him this year of he started forcing the issue. Uh, ended up with nine turnovers in that game, had eight in the first half, settled in, and and you know the team was a lot better when Cassius does that. But he can kind of get hyped up in these things and get going too fast, and there's really not an opportunity for him to sit and think about it for four minutes. Right. Um, so you just kind of got to live with it uh, as it goes. But yeah, that's going to be key for him is kind of staying in it and 
uh, you know, using Tillman, playing that two-man game with the bigs, getting McQuaid open shots, things like that. So, all right, two more questions here. They're the same question, but they're going either way. Um, you can pick whichever one you want to go first, but fill in the blank here. MSU wins if blank, and U of M wins if blank. Um, all right. I'll, I, I suppose since I'll, I'll order it in the uh, – or I'll answer it in the order that you asked it. So okay. <laughs> uh, MSU wins if um, if Winston scores 20 and has more assists than turnovers. So I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm giving you straight numbers. He's got – I mean 20-ish. You know, like it's not like oh, if he scores eighteen, then they're not going to win. He's going to he's got to score around twenty, so he's still got to be the focal point in the offense. But he's got to also do that sort of naturally within the flow of the game, and in doing so, he'll have more assists than turnovers. Um, I think uh, MSU wins if Goins and Tillman grab a ton of offensive rebounds. They could do that either with Teske in the game and just out battling him, or getting him in foul trouble. But um, Michigan State has a, uh, a, a, pretty, a pretty decent ability to grab offensive rebounds, as far as I'm aware. and They are, here, I'll just give it for you really quick. Um, they are 20th in the country in offensive rebounds. So there, there you go. That's, 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 that's right up there. Um, pretty good. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Michigan is quite bad at giving up offensive rebounds. So I think that that is a strength versus a weakness that State can really take advantage of. Um, And then um, on the flip side, um, if MSU doesn't allow Michigan to grab a lot of offensive rebounds, because this one I I know that uh, Michigan State is dead last in the Big Ten when it comes to allowing opponents at a per-game average anyway. Part of that, it's tempo-based but is mm-hmm. dead last in the Big Ten when it comes to allowing opponents to grab offensive rebounds. Michigan is second to last in getting offensive rebounds. So yeah. they're both really bad at that aspect. <laughs> but if one, so it, it, if Michigan State is, can take advantage of the fact that in their weakness, they also have a Michigan weakness, I think that that will end up biting them. Um, on the flip side, I think uh, U of M wins – if uh, Simpson frustrates Cassius Winston and forces him into committing, like you know, four or five or more turnovers, you know, like what you know, like double is here. Um, do, you, do you happen to think here? Hold on, let me pull it. I do not have his season average. It looks um, like it's around three. Um, so something like that. Yeah. So if he he's if, generally he's like a two to one assist to turnover, or three to one ish. Yeah. Uh, his assist rate is forty three percent, third in the country. Okay, so if if Simpson can you know um, prevent him from really, I, I I say you know four or five turnovers, but really it's not gonna, not a measurable. But if he can make Winston uncomfortable to the point where the offense doesn't run smoothly for Michigan State, uh, I think U of M wins. Um, I think if. Uh, Teske is able to stay out of foul trouble and neutralize Goins and Tillman on the glass. He doesn't have to win. He just can't get hammered on the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got to stay out of foul trouble to do that. Um, I think if that happens, then Michigan wins. And then um, you you brought up Michigan's shooting woes. I think if Michigan shoots um, 40% or more from beyond the arc, that, that, that will almost assuredly mean – it would take a really special effort for Michigan State if Michigan shoots that well, considering that they've shot so poorly and still won some games. Um, if, if Michigan gets it going from behind the arc, it's going to be tough for Michigan State to win the game. 
All right, good stuff, Joe. He is Joe Cook Sugar. Check out his work at 131sports.com. Uh, you can find his bracketology there. His, his key matchups for uh, every single <laughs> every single day. I think you do that. Uh, and then you got uh, busting brackets. You've got a preview up right now. Do you want to tell the people about that preview real quick? Yeah. So um, in order to kind of build the hype for the game, I wrote an article um, called the uh, the ten most polarizing figures in the Michigan Michigan State rivalry. And it is limited to the past decade, but it'll make. I, I, I did that because I think that'll make uh, keep things fresh and um, remind people of how annoyed is. Remind Spartan fans, since I'm on a Spartan podcast here. Remind Spartan fans just how annoying a lot of Wolverines were that, that maybe they had forgotten about, um, and how much they love um, some of their uh, f- the, some of the alums. Um, so I think that you'll, you'll, uh, Spartan fans and Wolverine fans alike will appreciate the countdown because it's supposed to be who's polarizing. You know, what players from each side um, did did the res- each respective fan base love and then the other one hate. Um, so I think it was, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of fun to write. So um, I, I would appreciate people checking it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely do it. I haven't read it yet, but I've got it saved on my Twitter and I'm going to read it tonight. I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, and I know a few guys who will be on each side uh, because I voted in this, and I <laughs> I know the pulse of the Michigan State fan. We're all voting Mo Wagner. We're all voting Nick Stauskas. Um, all right, Joe, thanks for joining the show. We appreciate the time as always. Um, and we will, yeah, like I said, uh, last time you joined us, we'll catch up with you right at the end of the Big Ten regular season, going into the tournament there and get one last bracketology before the brackets are revealed. All right, sounds great. It was a pleasure being on. All right, thanks again to Joe for joining us. Uh, Nice enough to give us a bunch of uh, content there. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to today's show. We will be back tomorrow with my version of a preview. Like I said, today was kind of uh, our our eyes, uh, us previewing the show through Joe's eyes. Tomorrow will be through my eyes. Uh, So a little bit different. Uh, angle that I'll be looking at this big matchup. So be sure to tune in for that. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get podcasts, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, Like I say all the time, I really appreciate you guys doing that. So thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Back tomorrow with another episode, the second half of this full MSU Michigan preview. Until then, go green.